Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show today as we continue on working for equality and freedom for all Americans with disabilities on voiceamerica.com. This is Joyce Bender. Welcome to the show. I'm excited that we have had such a tremendous following. So many emails. Thank you, thank you, thank you, because the more people that listen to this show, the further we will get in getting the news out that Americans with disabilities also want to be free in this country. Today is a very special day for me, I have to tell you, because my guest today really is a champion to me, and as far as I'm concerned, he's a champion for all people with disabilities. And if you're listening to the show today, I want to say, if you ever need a keynote speaker, try to get this guest today, because he is phenomenal. He is a communications lead for the Department of Transportation. He's also an author, a professor, and I'm so proud to say a Bender ambassador. In other words, at one time he worked for me at Bender Consulting Services before he joined the FAA. He is a wonderful person. Mr. Carl Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks, Joyce. I hope I can only live up to your your, uh, high praise there. Well, I have no doubt you will, Carl. But since we have listeners throughout the world, how about if you begin by telling our listeners what you do for the FAA, which, of course, is part of the Department of Transportation? Well, the FAA is the Federal Aviation Administration, and basically uh, we work to uh, keep America safe and the flying public safe as they travel um, uh, in the air. And... I work for the Chief Information Officer. I've been here for five and a half years, thanks to Joyce. I oversee uh, communications and information sharing and employee engagement, uh, internal and external, to the Chief Information Officer's office here at the FAA, which means I oversee publications and I edit and write our newsletter and our magazines. I also contribute to our website and manage day-to-day operations for the website contribute to some of the CIO's efforts as far as uh, some of his speeches and some of his publications to the staff and the agency, and basically work special projects. So kind of a kind of an all-around guy. I also work on events. Uh, we have an annual conference that we do. I help, help provide uh, support for that. So kind of a jack-of-all-trades here. Well, you do many things, and you do them well. And as you can see by listening, I told you, great speaker he is. Well, Carl, you are one of those that has been very successful in your career. Um, and as we all know, there is a 65% unemployment rate for Americans with significant disabilities. Some people, even when they do get hired, aren't as fortunate. They aren't as fortunate to be able to climb the ladder the way Carl has. But, Carl, it wasn't easy at first. I know that from knowing you. How about if you tell our listeners how it was first when you began seeking employment? Uh, when it started, I actually grew up in uh, Shepherdstown, West Virginia, Shenandoah Junction, West Virginia, which is about an hour and a half west of the nation's capital here where I work now. And so it's a small community. Uh, I was fortunate enough to have a few advocates who uh, talked to a local newspaper. I'd applied for a job right out of college. I'd never really worked before um, graduating college, actually. I know a lot of people have jobs when they're teens and, and young adults, and I sort of concentrated on school, and since it was a rural area, I figured my options were sort of limited um, as far as transportation and things like that, so I actually didn't have my first job until after college. Um, I had a advisor at the college sort of advocate for me at the local newspaper and, you know, tell them I was capable of doing the job, and about two months after graduating, I was able to get a job um, at the paper in Martinsburg, West Virginia, and was an editor and a writer for, for a year or so and worked at the college as, an, as another opportunity for about a year, um, and that was from 96 to 98. The problem that came in 98 when I had took uh, on a new job. A lady who worked at the first paper started a second paper and unfortunately was not who she said she was, and I, I jumped on that opportunity as well as a whole bunch of other folks jumped on that opportunity to start a new paper and, you know, to start something new. It's always great to, to kind of be you know, uh, involved in a new opportunity. 
And unfortunately, three months later, I learned that she was not who she said she was, did not have the financial backing, and uh, basically closed the paper. And I found myself unemployed in a rural area with not many opportunities um, to, you know, to gain uh, meaningful employment. So I decided to move closer to the metro area um, in Maryland, uh, closer in, and look for some opportunities, figuring, you know, it would, it would be easier with public transportation, the metro system, buses, that the infrastructure that wasn't there in West Virginia. So that began in November of 98. I worked uh, temporary for manpower for a bit, uh, for about two or three months. And needless to say, I found Joyce Bender in July and August of 2001. So for three years, um, I sent out resume after resume, went on quite a few job interviews. And, and you know, I'm not one to uh, assume discrimination at all. Um, I, I'm an African-American person, and so I have that plus the disability, the visual and disability. I'm legally blind, although I'm, I don't use a cane or a dog or anything. I have pretty good mobility. And I usually don't really uh, believe you know, in the disability, I'm not one of those people uh, who, you know, claims discrimination, uh, Joyce can tell you. And so, you know, but the problem was after going on interview after interview and being told, well, you, you know, you pretty much are very qualified and you almost meet the mark, but, you know, I, I talked uh, about usually there's that three-letter word, but, that we all know of if, if we have a disability, and that's uh, this word that we all know too familiar and so uh, a lot of times I didn't get the job. And, you know, after three years of looking, you can only assume that, you know, a face with, the, with you know, an able-bodied person who an organization feels they don't have to provide any assistance for versus someone who they figure they may have to buy, you know, $1,000 piece of equipment who they have a perception of as being maybe slow or, you know, I can't see, you know, he can't see, so we're going to have to provide special equipment for him or, you know, we're going to have to make sure copies are provided or, you know, if he has a dog or a cane, we've got to worry about that, you know, liability, things like that. So I can only assume that, you know, faced with that decision, they were going to going to take the able-bodied person over me who was kind of an unknown uh, quantity at that point. And so three years later, luckily that all ended um, in the summer of, of uh, 2001. I ended up going to a National Federation for the Blind convention in Philly, which I believe things are destined. It actually was supposed to be somewhere else. It happened to be rescheduled for Philly. I actually had moved to Philly that March. I started my master's degree that past January and moved up there from West Virginia that March of 2001 and happened to go to the convention and uh, learned of Joyce Bender. Actually, frankly, Joyce, I was a little skeptical because I'd never heard of you. And after three years of unemployment, who could blame me? Um, But I found out six weeks later when uh, that she was true to her word. I started, you know, interviewed in July and August 27th, 2001. I was sitting in my cube at the federal government, and I uh, couldn't believe it because, again, I just had lost faith after sending out so many resumes, literally thousands of resumes, and going on probably a couple dozen interviews and, and you know, having the door slammed in your face. I did keep going, but it wasn't easy. Well, you know what I have to say is I have to say for all of the companies in America that did not hire him, well, you really lost out. Here's a person now, very intelligent, excellent academic background, as you can see, if you're listening to the show, excellent and here, excellent communication skills. And why I am saying and see, for all of our friends from the deaf community, this show is real-time captioned so everyone can be included. What you missed out on, a person with a tremendous attitude that really is just an asset to the Department of Transportation. And I want to tell you one other thing about it. Talk about a great attitude. You know, I still remember, and this is after, you know, after all of these great things that happened, that one time I saw Carl uh, in D.C., and he said, I have something for you. And, and he had had this beautiful green blanket monogrammed, you know, with my initials on it, and I keep that uh, in the van. I travel in all the time because of my epilepsy. Of course, I don't drive, but I, I have... A person with me all the time, and and I take that everywhere I go, and I always think about how appreciative Carl is and what a great attitude he has. So you know what, Carl? That was their loss in the gain of Bender Consulting Services and ultimately the FAA. Thanks, Joyce. I really appreciate that. And with that, we're going to go to break for one minute. When we'll be right back. Don't go away because... More to come from a great champion, Mr. Carl Lee, who is with the U.S. Department of Transportation 
the FAA in the Office of the Assistant Administrator for Information Services and the CIO. This is Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com where, guess what, disability does matter. We'll be right back. Don't leave. VoiceAmerica.com, your news talk information radio network. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives. But too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Albert Einstein once said, Nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and free your mind, open your heart, and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists, and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. Here we are on VoiceAmerica.com with a real champion, Carl Lee who works for the Office of the Assistant Administrator for Information Services and the CIO in the United States Department of Transportation under the Federal Aviation Administration. And he is also a great Bender ambassador. Carl, I have a question for you from a emailer in Kansas, Lydia. And the question is, Carl, when I read about the show ahead of time, my question for you is, how did you maintain not being discouraged during the time you did not gain employment? You know, I, I don't know. I think uh, when I was born, uh, since the time I was born, I, I've always had persistence, and I've always believed in myself. And, and I've always, uh, you know, the, the, the trick to life is having... Uh, is believing in yourself, and the gift is having people that believe in you. And my family and my friends have always believed in me. They've always encouraged me, and you know I knew I could do it. I think if you know uh, you you know if you don't have if you don't believe in yourself and you don't uh, take stock in, in your abilities, then it's easy to be frustrated and it's easy to just let it go and and give up. But I always believed that I had something meaningful to contribute. And I'm just thankful that folks like Joyce and others uh, believed that and uh, accepted that and and challenged me to to you know make good on that promise. And so that's how I stayed I stayed uh, positive and I stayed uh, you know steadfast in my efforts to to find a job and obviously paid off. But it wasn't easy. And, I, and honestly, I don't know. It's one of those things that you look back in hindsight and and you kind of marvel at yourself, frankly, because I, I don't know how how I did it. Uh, obviously, everything was stacked against me, you know, resume after resume, 
interview after interview, but but I'm still but I'm here, and and uh, and I thank everyone for for being behind me throughout the whole process. And you didn't give up. I did. And, and listen, you should never give up. I want to mention one thing. I want to say that we are so fortunate that some you know people from the Department of Labor, from AAPD, Epilepsy Foundation, various disability organizations, and now several newspapers advertise our show ahead of time. And if they have access to who's going to be on the show uh, sometimes a month ahead of time, you know, we get information, we send out information, and then they send it sometimes to youth groups where we get these questions ahead of time. If you ever want to send a question in ahead of time, go ahead and do that, and I will read it on the air if we have time. And, again, thank you, all of you, for your nonstop support. Well, Carl, that really leads to my next question, which is, you know, here you are, you're successful, um, you keep moving up, you know, you're now a professor, you're doing so much. Who were your role models or role model that helped you at an early age in your life? You know, I I, I can't really think of any one specific uh, other than my grandfather. I, I remember, uh, despite a lot of lot of diver, uh, adversities that he had to face, he uh, you know he maintained two jobs. Um, he, we had a break plan in the, in the community again. This is West Virginia, um, so a lot of rural rural opportunities. And he also worked on a farm. And I just remember you know growing up as a little kid, him having two jobs and you know supporting his wife and and uh family and so i think i learned early that you know hard work uh and dedication pays off i my mom today it's funny she always yells at me for doing too much because i i do have a full-time job here um i teach at two different universities starting this fall um I, i'm teaching at shepherd university out in west virginia where i'm from which is my undergraduate alma mater and then uh george mason university here in northern virginia near my home uh, starting in the fall so i should be teaching at both one thursday night one saturday and during my master's, I lived in West Virginia, and I went, you know, all the way to Philadelphia, which is about a two and a half, three hour ride on the train. So, I, I guess from an early age, learning from my grandfather and others around me, I just learned that uh, that hard work and dedication paid off. Well, you know what, that is fantastic, and everyone, you know, does have that person that has has an impact on them. Sometimes it's a school teacher, but you know, often it is. It could be a historic figure, but then many times it is a family figure. And sometimes people don't realize through their own life and how they're acting the impact that they can have on someone else. So when you started out, Carl, did you ever encounter people who told you you would not make it at an early age? Because several times when I've spoken to high school students with disabilities, they tell me how sometimes a counselor, uh, unfortunately a teacher, or different people have told them, don't try because you're not going to make it. Did you ever run into this? Actually, mine was larger than that. I remember when I was five, um, my parents, you know, fighting for me, particularly my father, because the school system that I was in was was attempting to send me off to the School for the Blind and Deaf in Romney, West Virginia. And while that is an option for some folks, my, my parents thought that it was important that I be at home. That required you, you know, that was about two hours from my home. And some in the other part of the state, it was as much as a four-hour uh you know, ride for for students, and my folks felt that they didn't want to, you know, sort of send me off. That they wanted to be a part of my uh, my growth and and you know my uh, maturation and and helping me, uh, you know, on a daily basis. And so they they fought to keep me in that in the local school system. And so uh, I will always remember that because I think that's why I am so well adjusted. And and you know, the schools for the blind and deaf work for some folks. Uh, I'm not discouraging that at all, but I think for me, uh, have being you know mainstream from the beginning, learning that uh, how to act with sighted folks and and just general society and you know sometimes the cruelties that exist therein uh, was essential to my success because I, I didn't want to be you know 18 years old and and it, from coming from that sheltered environment, especially in West Virginia, uh, very rural you know that rural sheltered envi- environment, and then try to break out into college that that probably would not have worked so. Uh, like you said, sometimes it's a, it's a teacher, sometimes it's a counselor. In my case, it was it was the, the whole county school system. But I'm glad that uh, I had parents that uh, were able to to kind of dissuade them from that and push for me to be in the regular school system. And you know what? With that one thing, it's amazing how everything could be so different in your life, isn't it? It is. It is. 
Well, you know, people people you. negate the little the you know the impacts from from small sometimes small decisions, but but they all they all have uh, they all have impacts and consequences. Okay, well, right here from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, from a Lewis. The question is, Carl, what do you do when you're in school and you have people that constantly lower the bar? How do you deal with that? From my own students? No. no. He's wanting to know your advice for him. My advice for him, um, I, you know, I, you, you always have to, you set your own standards mm-hmm. and, and you make your own happiness. And mm-hmm. so I think you can, like I said a few minutes ago, you know, you can, you can decide to give up or you can decide to make, you know, just, just let well enough be and, you know, figure you can get by. But you are accountable to yourself in the end. And so you can't blame anyone if you're not fulfilled and happy. Um, you have to, you know, you have to set your own standards and, and, uh, you know, you have to want it deep within. I, that's, I know it sounds uh, pie in the sky and, and lofty and you know and uh, philosophical, but that's I think that's how I got where I am. I always believe in myself, and I always set my own standards. If here at work, and, and you know, and my students in my class, when you know, I, I talk to the department chair about some of the other faculty members who lower the bar, and so they teach their college courses like it's high school. And I told him I'm not going to do that, and he, he applauded me on that. Um, because I, you know, I believe in setting the bar for high for my own students because they may not appreciate it now, but I think in the end, um, you know, that's you again. You're accountable to yourself, and and uh, in the end, when you become 32, 33, like me, you realize you know what that gets you. Um, you know, no no effort gets nothing. Yes, and I'll tell you what, there won't be anyone there else that will make it happen. Exactly. It's you. Exactly. It's you, and that's good for you, Carl, what you said you do with your students because they're never going to make it in whether they work for the federal government or corporate America, you know, unless the bar is set that way. That is what I believe. You know, Joyce, the, the secret, though, I think in life is is that most of the times you can succeed by putting out very little effort. You know, in school you can you can put out a little effort. You can do your paper two nights before, and you can get a B maybe even A minus, you know, you can do your work every day at your office and, you know, answer the phones and check your email and do the the annual reports and you'll get patted on the back. But it takes you to want to make that extra effort to get the A or, you know, sometimes you don't get rewarded or acknowledged for going that extra step. You only, you know, that acknowledgement only comes within. So, you know, your boss may not say thank you, you know, but you know what you did and I think that's what counts. That's right. Yeah, because you can't always rely on others, or you may be doing a great job yourself, and guess what? As Carl just said, you may not hear it from someone else, but if you've done it, you know you've done it. Exactly. You know you've done it. Well, Carl, something that I run into that is an issue is many times whenever I am dealing with a new customer, including multi-billion dollar companies, and I tell them, I have a great person for you to work in IT, finance, whatever the area is, um, and they find out that the person is blind. They immediately think that person cannot do the job, you know, that there's going to be a problem, that they can't, do, that they, they'll have a problem. Um, and I don't know how often you ran into this, but what is your opinion? Why do you think people feel like that? I think it's misconceptions. Um, you know, a lot of times if you're not exposed to a certain culture or disability or whatever in life, you know, um, we, we gain through diversity. And so sometimes your your own perceptions um, of what the situation will hold. And so I think case in point is your Bender Ambassador Program. That's why we are here to be ambassadors and to, you know, serve as, as examples, um, positive examples of what is possible. And sometimes, you know, unfortunately people uh, – be it in the uh, you know corporate America or wherever, have to uh, you know you have to count on them taking a chance, and and those of us who are you know out doing every day need to set the example and uh, raise the bar and show that we can. And so I think that's how we bring others we bring others behind us. Yes, I agree. I, I do. And you know what? I think the problem is fear, ignorance. You know, if you've never worked with someone who is blind then you're going to not know 
and they assume they're slow. Like I said, yeah. they, you know, when I look for jobs, they assume that I'm going to be an extra. You know, it's going to. I can't go to meetings, or they're going to have to, you know, take an extra ten minutes to make copies for me, or they're going to have to do this or that. So, you know, even if that is the case, even if they do need to buy a piece of equipment for me, that's not saying I'm going to be slow. That's saying what I, I need to to keep me up with everyone else. And, and they also overlook the the advantages to having that diversity. So they're just seeing the negative, but they're not seeing the positive. That's right. That's why you can change that, America, by starting to hire people for their ability. And with that, we're going to go to break for a minute. Then we'll be right back with our champion, Carl Lee. This is Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. From our home to your speakers, voiceamerica.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Ever wonder what are the favorite travel destinations of the Hollywood jet set? Where do celebrities like to go when they aren't walking the red carpet? Tune in to Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with President of Traveris, David Manning, and Lisa O'Hurley, golf aficionado and wife of actor John O'Hurley. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa talk with well-known actors, sports celebrities, and entertainment insiders to find out about their favorite travel destinations and what they recommend. On Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, David and Lisa also offer up feature vacations each week and last-minute deals for your next getaway. Find out what's new and exciting in the travel industry as well as how to raise money for your nonprofit organizations while enjoying a wonderful vacation. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk with David Manning and Lisa O'Hurley broadcast each Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on the Voice America channel. Traveris Celebrity Travel Talk, your inside look into celebrities and travel. Join Patricia Raskin, host of Positive Living on VoiceAmerica.com, Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This program brings you practical and inspiring principles for living a more authentic, engaging, and passionate life. Patricia's guests will give you a formula for connecting, giving, forgiving, and miraculous living. So tune in and call in to Positive Living Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern and 11 a.m. Pacific Time right here on VoiceAmerica.com. VoiceAmerica.com If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now, please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joy Spender. And welcome back. We're talking to Carl Lee, who works for the Office of the Assistant Administrator for Information Services and the CIO at the United States Department of Transportation with the FAA. And Carl, who I met many years ago, at one time worked for Bender Consulting Services, He now is a Bender Ambassador, but for the federal government, he is a communications lead. He is successful. He also teaches at two colleges and a university and college. He is also an outstanding writer. And by the way, if you're having a conference come up, he is a fantastic speaker, Carl Lee. If you need to reach him, just get in touch with me here. He is outstanding. Carl, we were talking about, before break, how people have wrong ideas about people who are blind, thinking they can't do the job. I just want to make one last comment about that. As Carl was pointing out, until you have a person employed at your company or working by your side, whether they are deaf, blind, wheelchair, epilepsy, I don't care what it is, you'll never know what that person's like unless they're working with you. That's how we have to change that. A lot of times, Joyce, it's funny. It it actually blends in because I have a lot of friends and even people here at the office. um, And the the funny thing is is that I blend in more than I think, you know, because for me sometimes I think, you know, it's a hassle for one of my friends to pick me up or it's a hassle for someone to do something at the office for me. 
And so, you know, occasionally I've asked some of my friends, you know, you know, I'm, do you even think of my visual impairment or, or whatever? And so I think, you know, for some, most of them it's become so second nature that I'm thinking, <laughs> at this point, I'm thinking it's more of a problem than, than they, you know, think. Uh, I'm thinking that it's, it's causing more effort on their part than it actually is. So that's, that's the ironic thing. I think when people actually get to work with people with disabilities, um, you know, we blend in. We're, we're, we are you. You are us. We're not them. Um, you know, we're just people too. So that's the, that's the, that's the funny part about it. That's true. People with great abilities, such as myself, I have epilepsy, and epilepsy is part of who I am as far as this is my disability, but it's not part of who I am as far as the work I can do or the talent I have or the skill that I have. That is the way that it is. And when you work with people with disabilities, whether they're blind, deaf, whatever it is, you will be surprised. The more you work with that person, the more you see them as a person and see their ability, and soon you don't even notice anything but that. That is a fact. I know because we've hired over 300 people with significant disabilities. Carl, now you're going to really be able to give us good advice on this now that you're also a professor. For our listeners, what do you believe are some of the key skills you need to move up once you are employed? The first one I think you need to be... um, you need to be assertive um, to begin with. You need to insert yourself into the office. I, the, my luck was I was you know seated with everyone else. I kind of integrated early. Um, so you need to be assertive. You need to make your presence known. If you're not getting anything, you know, not getting any work, or people aren't paying paying attention to you, you need to you know you need to be. Uh, you need to be able to speak up for yourself. You can't be a shrinking violet because that won't get you anywhere. You also need to be enterprising. You need to think outside the box. You know, you need to give your boss ideas and suggestions. You need to contribute in a meaningful way. Don't just, you know, take an assignment that you get in an email and do it and hand it in. And you know, where's you know, where's the next one? You need to, you know, give suggestions. Maybe offer some new initiatives or some new programs. When I started here, um, the first uh, month or so, I didn't really have anything to do and I took the initiative and went to my boss and said you know I can do this you know give me a policy to work on give me this I started the first office newsletter Um, then I took over some other projects and so I think you need to be enterprising Uh, you also um, need to be able to communicate well Um, you know share what you need and also you know interact with folks in the office so I think there's lots of skills that you need but but the main thing is not you know not shrinking not not just you know Meshing in, I think a lot of times folks with disabilities are a little bit afraid to step outside because we don't want people to notice us for the disability. But I think that's probably few and far between um, that that happens. Most mostly, though, I think it's the idea of of being there and and uh, and going for it. You know what, Carl? Here's my question: How much of that do you see? You know, when you're teaching your students, do you? notice the same traits do you tell them the same type of thing i do and the people who you know who just do their assignment and don't ask questions and come to class and are the the unfortunately the ones that i don't get to know the people who are outstanding and i don't mean you know overachievers and you know i just mean people who go a little bit above and people who make the effort to to get to know me and their classmates are the ones that succeed and the one that get the ones that get the most out of the experience, be it a class, be it work, be it anything in life. Those are the people that you know that you want to get to know and that and that want to get to know you and then the people that uh, that are the movers and shakers. Well, you know, a lot of people with disabilities sometimes have a problem with uh, this area, uh, and many people believe that's just due to uh, not a lack of experience but low self-esteem. What's your opinion about that? I'm not sure. Like I said, I think a lot of times they're a little bit of uh, apprehensive about bringing attention to themselves because we're so, we're so used to people, you know, if you're in a wheelchair, if you have a cane or you're, you're, you know, have a dog, I think we're so used to people, we feel like we stick out like a sore thumb. And so I think that a lot of times they're apprehensive about that because they figure that's one more thing that they're going to bring attention to themselves for. And so I think there's a lot of times you want to just, you know, the, the trick is we want to blend in. Like I said, we're human beings. We're, we're just like you. And so um, I think, unfortunately, that there's a catch-22 in that because you you need to be outgoing, but at the same time you don't want to stick out for the wrong reasons. Right. 
And, you know, there's a difference I always tell people. Assertive, aggressive. Aggressive is abrasive. Assertive is speaking up. But you know what? If you're not assertive and you don't go after it and you don't have initiative, you're not going to get there. I really agree with Carl on this, and I do think that that is an absolute key skill. Carl, how about telling our listeners about the Bender Ambassador Program? And also, I would like to have your thoughts on why you think it's important to have a mentor. The Bender Ambassador Program is great. Um, I'm hoping at some point we actually have some more folks around that I can can be of of service to. And, And the idea behind this is that um, those of us who come before try to pave the path for others, and, and I guess it just by you know leading by example, just by working hard. Um, you know, Joyce earlier had talked about people's misconceptions about people with disabilities and why don't they hire them and accept them. And, and so our goal with this is to lead by example, to show them that their misconceptions and their, perce- their perceptions uh, are incorrect, um, and you know also. You mentioned how um, we get people with disabilities, you know, out of the, out of the box, and, and I think that's also if there are other folks who come after us, you know, if there's someone else in my office, hopefully they'll learn from me, you know, that from being assertive and from being uh, enterprising and outgoing and communicating that that you know they can achieve, and so it has a double edged uh, advantage. It, it helps the general population uh, gain some awareness and familiarity with people with disabilities, and it helps other people with disabilities. Um, learn, you know, the, tick, uh, the 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 tools of the trade. Um, as far as mentors, um, I think it's great. I've been blessed with several folks over the years that have that have helped me and and guided me and given me some great advice on what to do and what not to do. And you know, working um, can be tricky. You know, uh, there are fine lines. You don't want to, as Joyce mentioned, you know, there's a difference between assertive and aggressive. Um, there's a difference between, you know, giving meaningful contributions and, you know, going too far and, you know, offending people. Um, so there are fine lines, and so I think having a mentor helps you uh, get a little bit of understanding as to where those lines are and, and maybe when to when to speak out and when to push a little bit harder and when it might be best just to, to you know, hold back for a little bit and wait for a, for a better opportunity and a better time. Now, Carl, when you, do, you, do you feel that it's, more difficult for people with disabilities to obtain a mentor, assuming they don't work for Bender and there's no Bender Ambassador program. Do you think that's harder for them to get a mentor when they first start? I think so because, I mean, I, I've had mentors from my first few jobs, you know, and they, they weren't folks with disabilities, and I think there's certain unique things that we need to know and, you know, that if it's if it's not another individual with disabilities, there's, you know, there's some sensitivity loss and there's some... Uh, traits again you know the reality is that the you know road ahead for us is not necessarily the same there are like like i said things that you need to know that may be a little bit different than than your average worker and so i think there is something lost from not having having those ambassadors uh, with disabilities uh, to uh, to help guide you sometimes because you know when you start working remember if you have a go-to person, it makes all the difference in the world. There are so many people, there's just simple things. If they knew it would help them so much, but they're afraid to get a go-to person. They're just, you know, or they don't know how to. And I'm telling you that that makes such a difference in what you do. It's always great, if possible, to have a mentor, someone just to give you advice on simple things, uh, because really, sometimes it's hard to learn the politics of where you work if you don't have someone you can trust or confide in. And as Carl said, sometimes whenever you are a person with a disability, it's even more difficult. And that's where folks like Joyce come in. When I started the program, I had actually held several positions before, so I wasn't uh, straight out of college like some of, of Joyce's employees. However, I know you guys offered many valuable uh, tips and tools that I used when I you know came here uh, things on uh, you know how to speak appropriately in the office you know not using certain language uh, appropriate behaviors appropriate dress um, just you know best practices that have served people well over the years and so um, those are pluses yes well thank you and I, I you know I think that everyone needs that because I really believe that that helps you so much all right, another question from one of our email listeners, uh, emailed to us from one of our listeners from Terry in Philadelphia. Uh, and the question is, Carl, uh, congratulations being on Disability Matters. 
My question for you is after you gained employment, do you feel that people you knew prior to this began treating you differently? And by differently, I mean better. Did you believe people started treating you with more respect? Not necessarily. Um, I can tell you I felt better about myself. Um, there's nothing, you know, I, someone asked earlier about, uh, you know, how I kept going, and I said, I don't know. I don't know. In hindsight, it's, you know, it's a mystery to me. But, you know, I even though I kept going, I felt, you know, at times pretty bad about myself and, you know, and felt pretty depressed, uh, but I kept going. And so I wouldn't say that external folks made me feel better about myself, but I felt better about myself having employment. Um, I think, you know, having a job is, is a key to success in this country. And I know that might sound like a weird statement, but, you know, you you really, even if it's a, a you know, a, a job paying $8 an hour or $50 an hour, no matter what, just the idea, you know, of having a job and contributing something meaningful um, is is a key to success for you, for you know, personally. And I and so uh, so that's how I'd answer that question. Boy, and I'll tell you what, I like what you said, Carl, when you said it was you that felt different about yourself. See, here's what you don't notice: when you start feeling a sense of pride, dignity, you act different. You project differently to the whole world. That's where the difference really comes. I think that's a very perceptive of you, Carl, but I do believe that is what makes the difference. Yeah, there's there's something about putting on that dress shirt and that tie in the morning and, and you know, marching off and knowing that you're part of something. You're part of the big scheme. You're contributing and you know, you're one of you're just one of everybody and not feeling left out and powerless. You know, there's something to that. And I'll tell you what When you get that feeling of power, everyone else will know it. With that, we're going to go to break for one minute, and then we'll be back to close the show with Mr. Carl Lee, a true Bender ambassador. This is Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Conversation at a click of a mouse. VoiceAmerica.com I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Here's a show for baseball players, coaches, parents, and those who love the game. At least 90% of sports success, including baseball, requires mental strength in order to fully benefit from technical ability. And the higher the competition level, the more critical it becomes to possess mental muscle. Tune in every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time to Championship Thinking, hosted by Jim Meyer and brought to you by the National High School Baseball Coaches Association. Jim, sports psychology coach, trainer, and author of numerous articles and the workbook, Championship Thinking, Building Mental Muscle in Baseball, simplifies the mental game with easy to understand tools and tips. With his weekly guest, Jim draws from successes with professionals, college, high school, and youth teams, coaches, and players. Learn how to remain confident and focused at crunch time when pressure, tension, and anxiety like to make an uninvited appearance. Tune in and tune up your mental and technical knowledge and skills with Championship Thinking every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time right here on America's Voice, Voice America. Albert Einstein once said, nothing happens until something moves. Will your movement towards realizing a dream, making a long-lasting change to your life, or simply putting a daily smile on your face is just a click away. Tune into Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney and Free Your Mind. Open your heart and ignite action in your life. Host and commander in change, empowerment coach, and international speaker, Scott Chesney shares his insights to making the most out of your daily lives. Scott interviews people who are maximizing their lives, the most recognizable transformationalists and leaders around the world, as well as those hometown heroes that move, touch, and inspire the best in all of us. Stay tuned into Maximizing Life for Scott's one-on-one coaching with callers. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, broadcast each Monday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America channel. Maximizing Life with Scott Chesney, inspiring you to live life with passion, purpose, and limitless potential. VoiceAmerica.com 
If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joy Spender. And welcome back to the show. And if you just joined us, remember, all of the shows on Disability Matters are archived on voiceamerica.com and benderconsult.com. Tell your friends, tell everyone, so they too can go and listen to Carl Lee from the FAA, a real champion and an example of hope to those of you that have been seeking employment and have not been successful. One other thing, if you know of a conference where you need a great speaker, Carl Lee is the man for you. Carl, when you are at work, a question I have, how do you believe an individual can help make a difference in the area of employment for people with disabilities? Um, By just contributing, um, doing your best, and setting the example. Uh, those are. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. It's, there's no magic solution uh, to to you know to helping yourself and to helping others with disabilities. It's it's always realizing that the spotlight is on you, uh, for better or for worse. And you know, it's your you and your when the, when the light's on you and it's your 15 minutes. You you know you need to perform um, to the best of your abilities. And and you know it, the reality in life is unfortunately those of us. Uh, with disabilities, those of us who are minorities, a lot of times, you know, we, fairly or not, we set the example for those after us. And uh, that's one of those those uh, unfortunate things in life. And so you always want to uh, to do the best and uh, set the example for others. Realize that you're, you know, you're not just... Uh, you're not just dealing with your reputation. You're, you're also dealing with, uh, you know, some of the futures of others. You know what? Carl said it all. I want to tell you right now. You will do more for me and for people with disabilities throughout the United States when you have a job by doing a great job. That is how we will continue to bring down those attitudinal barriers that exist. That's what it takes, going to work every day and just doing a great job. So they focus on one thing, your ability first. Well, Carl, I ask these last two questions to every single person that's been on the show for the past three years. The first is, already you have accomplished so much, and you have. Look what you've done. It's phenomenal how you're now teaching, and you've just done so much. My question is, what do you feel is your greatest accomplishment? What are you proudest of today? Honestly, um, you know, I could point to the master's degree, um, which took me four and a half years of going to Philadelphia once a week and leaving work here at 3 o'clock and going up on the train and going to class from 530 to 830 and coming back that night and coming to work the next morning. You know, I could, could point to lots of different things. The teaching has been awesome. Um, might sound sophomore of me to say that, but that's that's basically what I think of it. It's awesome. I never in my wildest dreams would have imagined teaching college. I used to want to be an educator, and I happened into journalism in 10th grade, and so I got a degree in communications and political science and then the master's in journalism. Um, and part of the reason I got a master's is teaching. So that's been awesome. But the one thing I think I'm most proud of is the fact um, that I have respect, um, that I actually have the respect of my colleagues, my family and friends, and even senior officials and, and people like Joyce and people in the community, um, the fact that Joyce would actually invite me on a show where folks like Steny Hoyer and others have participated in is just phenomenal to me. So the fact that I actually have the respect of family and friends and colleagues and superiors, the fact that I have you know the respect uh, of folks at the office who trust me with high-profile projects, uh, the fact that my boss, uh, Dave Bowen here at the FAA, respects my opinion and respects my my expertise, and you know, I can't even put 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 it in words. But but the idea that people respect you, that they appreciate your contributions, that you matter, and that you are deemed as significant and you are deemed as meaningful to people, um, you know, that's what I'm most proud of. Because you know, in those three years that I was looking for a job. Um, I didn't feel any of that. I didn't feel the respect of anyone. I didn't feel like people appreciated my abilities. So to have that respect and know that people believe in you and will allow you to take initiative and will allow you to be who you are um, 
while contributing is is priceless. It's <laughs> I hate to, to tread on the words of that commercial, but it, you know it's priceless. It's true though. There is no price tag you can put on that. Absolutely no price tag because how can you? It, it is just not measurable and is such a great feeling. And Carl, does that not change even your whole demeanor and your behavior? It does. It does. I, you know, there's too many people out there that, that don't. You know, not even people with disabilities, but just in the general population who don't have respect. You know, whose who, whose family or friends or or you know folks at the office don't don't respect them or appreciate them. And so having that is just uh, is immeasurable, and and it, uh, and it basically allows you to feel like you're unstoppable. That you know, as long as you um, you know, as long as you can conceive it and you know you can achieve it. I hate to, to use you know cliche, but that's basically it. And uh, knowing that people are behind you is is immeasurable. And you know what? You're changing people, not only at work, Carl, but you are impacting young people every day by being a professor, a professor with a disability. You know, that's the funny thing. I never really. A lot of times, you don't. You aren't really knowing of the impact you have on folks until someone comes up to you and says something. You know, I've had people come up to me and say, you know, I didn't even know you had a disability. Uh, again, which is funny because, you know, a lot of times we just assume that, you know, we stick out like a sore thumb. <laughs> and in reality, a lot of times people don't even see that by you, uh, you know, by what you do and, and by you walking the walk and, and achieving. It, it. Like I said earlier, it's not always as, as obvious as uh, as you believe it to be. So, so uh you know it's it's amazing that the impact you can have when you when you don't even realize it. Yes. That's right. Well, Carl, what message do you want to leave with our listeners today? I want to leave with them the idea that they are responsible for their own happiness and that they are responsible for getting out there. Um don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it just because you get rejection after rejection after rejection after rejection. Don't give up. Um, I'm living proof of that. I, you know, I can't tell you the state of mind I was in before finding Joyce three week, three years into being unemployment, uh, being unemployed. But um, by not giving up and always believing in my, you know, and what I could do um, has helped me get where I am. So I would say always be persistent, um, always believe in your abilities, and uh, try to prove them wrong whenever they uh, whenever they try to tell you otherwise. What a great message that is. This is what we were talking about. Every time I teach the high school students, don't lower the bar. Don't let anyone else lower the bar. Listen to Carl. Here Especially he when someone else is trying to lower the bar for you. That's, right. that's when, you know, that's, that's a no-no. Yes. Yeah, because it's not up to them. Remember what Carl said earlier on the show? Who's accountable? You're accountable. You are accountable. You can be anything you want to be, but you're accountable. Don't let someone else define for you how your life should be. Carl, I want to tell you, it truly was an honor for me to have you on the show today. Joyce, I, I feel like it's a full it's a full circle moment um, for me, and, and it's, it's been an honor for me. Like I said, I just the fact that you would consider me in the company of some of the other guests that you've had is, is amazing to me. And so I will like the blanket that you carry around. Always carry around this, and I, I thank you very much. And my pleasure. And I always end this show with a quote. And although we've used this quote before, I, I'm sorry, I have to use it again today from a famous civil rights leader. And this is the Honorable Tony Quello because I thought about it so much. I was going to use something else, but when Carl made that comment about how proud he was to have respect, Tony's quote, work gives us dignity, says former Congressman Tony Quello. And with that, Joyce Bender on voiceamerica.com. Remember, here we believe disability matters. We care. See you next week.